Welcome to the Boonville Worship Center Sermon Podcast. Lord, we thank you, God, for an opportunity to come together as believers, God, to sit at the feet of your word, to receive from you. God, I pray that we would be washed and edified and built up by the truth of your word, and I pray that you would bless Max, God, that you would anoint him to deliver the word in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Jason. Well, I am honored and privileged to be here tonight. And I've got some handouts here. My wife is going to help me out with that. Thank you. How is everyone tonight? Tired. Tired, okay. And good? Good and tired. That's good to know. <laughs> Great. Um, I wanted to start off this evening just with a scripture in Romans chapter 13. And... 17, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. How many tonight are in the, in the kingdom of God? That's good. We should, we're supposed to be. That's in this world. The kingdom of God is here. It's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And it's so important, I believe, that we dwell there. It's not just a place that we're supposed to visit. It's a place that we're supposed to dwell. We're supposed to be in that kingdom. And we really should uh, and will and do live righteously. Righteousness is part of it. I'm sorry? Yes. Righteousness is definitely a part of it. And peace. And that's something a lot of times we just don't we just don't live in that. We don't we don't have that. And it's because the enemy works to take these things away from us. And he's got so many ways of doing it. Uh, and then, but it belongs to us, and we need to claim it and, and reach for it, and joy. And that's one that really eludes me a lot, is joy. Because joy is not just a surface thing. It goes so deep into us and has to come from deep within. So um, I have to claim that, and, and I have to ask God for it which he's given it to me, but I have to recognize it to enjoy it and, and to benefit from it. So that was just something that God gave me uh, when I got here this evening. What I'm teaching on tonight is the simplicity of the gospel, and I'd like to say I'd like to compliment uh, Miss Julianne on her last two lessons that, or last two weeks that she taught she did such an excellent job. Uh, her delivery was very good, and she was very thorough in it. And I told my wife uh, the first week uh, that she was just all over what was burning in my heart. Uh, she was very, very effective. And um, she did such a good job with it. I realized that she was the one that needed to bring that. Um, so I wasn't really sure where I was going to go with uh, what I was going to go with at that point because that's when Pastor Scott asked me uh, if I would teach. That's what was on my heart, and that's what was burning in my heart. So her timing was great. She was right on, right on the mark, and she did a much better job of delivering it than I would have. Um, so thank God for that. 
I just want to compliment her on that. Um, I, so I'm following through with what God has given me then for tonight, and that is the simplicity of the gospel, which she she really got on that and, and labeled that. Uh, but I've got some scriptures here and, and some things that I'd like to go over uh, that on that handout. I've tried to list uh, all of the scriptures that I'm going to be dealing with if you want to turn to them uh, before I get there. I want to look at the simplicity of the gospel starting with Genesis 1 and 1. Uh, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And then in John 1 and 1, we have, we read, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. I wanted to look at this and just really just look at it, face value. I don't want to dig real deep into it, but at the same time, I want to see it for what it is. The, the question that I have to ask then is, uh, what is the begin? It's the beginning. In the beginning, God created, and in the beginning was the Word. What is that beginning? It's the beginning of what? Anybody? I'm sorry? The earth, yes. Universe, Milky Way. Everything natural, everything that's physical, everything that you can actually see, feel, taste, or touch, um, everything physical, uh, that, that's a good answer. It's all of it. Uh, did, so then the next question that I want to ask is, did God have a beginning? No, he did not have a beginning. He always was uh, and always will be. Uh, beginning is a term that's related to time. So the beginning was actually the beginning of time. That was his first creative act, was time. He created time. Now, considering that, uh, and, and I can show this, that, that it was all before. Uh, in Psalms 91, 1 through 2, uh, we see that God uh, has no beginning. And in Revelation 1, 4 through 8, uh, we see that God has no beginning. I can read through all of them, but uh, I just wanted to bring out a few things in the scripture, you're, you're certainly welcome to go look at Psalms 91 and th 1 and 2. But in Revelation, uh, we get a look at the pre-existence of Jesus, which is a description of our dual existence. Uh, and that's testified by the word of, um, in Jeremiah 1 and 4, the word of the Lord came unto me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. And in Ephesians 1, 3 through 4, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Before is before the beginning. He had it all taken care of. He had each one of us in um, accounted for that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. That's a description of what we are really we're not just this flesh and blood, and, and we all know that, that there is another side of us that lives on and is, is bigger and 
actually more real than what this existence that we have here is. This is more like a training ground. How can we imagine, just thinking of this, how can we imagine God before the beginning of time? How could we describe him? We really can't because this is something that we really don't know about at all. We can't really, um, we just have to rely on faith. And then that brings up the question, what is faith? Faith, according to the Bible, is uh, the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. That's biblical, but it speaks of uh, non-tangible things. We really can't reach out and touch those things. And we have to ask ourselves, is that enough for us? A lot of times it's not. We like to have more detail than this. That's just the way we are. Um, just a simple truth sometimes leaves us hungry for more. Uh, it must be enough because without faith it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. If, if we can't get past that, um, we're, we're not going to make it. We have to believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. We must be satisfied with what God has said to us, knowing full well um, that what the, Lord, what the English language and the influence of the Western culture would produce in us, um, like questioning every statement as we watch our government question truth and promote lies, God did not leave us with unclear instructions. He said it, he means it, and it is. That's where we have to find ourselves, and that's where we do find ourselves. But there are a lot of things that work against against that idea. There are a lot of things that want to complicate uh, those those ideas. Um, we have the gospel, and that's vital that we have the gospel and we cling to it. Uh, I've got it marked there. The, what's what's uh, highlighted is the, are the words of Jesus. The word gospel appears 104 times in the New Testament. Gospel simply means uh, to declare or bring good tidings. Jesus told his disciples in Mark 16, 15 through 18, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. That's really straightforward and really clear. But he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink any, anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. That's all very, very clear and straightforward. And I thank God for that. He doesn't leave really, he doesn't leave a lot of question in the things that uh, he tells us his truth is very clear and it's very it's very precise in john three sixteen through nineteen uh, it says it is made perfectly clear um, for for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. This is really what the gospel is that whosoever believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him uh, is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. The thing that takes me here, we're, we're, what we're looking at tonight, is that there are so many people who 
shy away from religion because it's confusing to them. Um, that's one of the reasons. Another one of the reasons is it tends to take away things from their life that they've grown accustomed to, and it violates their their invisible list. Thank you for that. I can't tell you how many times at at our house just since last week we have recognized our invisible lists and looked at it and and I've prayed God show me my invisible list because I want to go through it and see what things uh, are are uh, prejudicious in my thinking um but it's so important that that we can take a straightforward and simple approach to this. Paul wrote to the Corinthians uh, that the message of the cross was foolishness to those that are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. He went on to say that it pleased God to save those who believed through the foolishness of the message preached. It's not all totally understandable, but it is at the same time. We can get the message to really know how God does all of this and why God does all of this is beyond us and his, because his ways are so much higher than our ways, uh, his, his way of thinking and, and his purpose. He sees way more than we see. He, he sees the beginning from the, or the end from the beginning. Um, so, now we're commanded in 2 Timothy 2 and 15 to study so uh, or to be diligent to present ourselves approved of God, a workman uh, who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So it's not wrong to study the word of God. That's not a bad thing. It's not wrong to, um, to dig deep into it and, and to seek out the hidden treasures that are so valuable and so rich in the Word of God. But it is not all just salvation. It's a a lot of things that are are produced because of salvation. It's a lot of things that exist in us and in our lives because we believe, because we, uh, we do believe in the gospel and we do read the gospel. So as we study uh, and, and, um, and dig into, dig deep into the, the Word of God, we grow and we get richer. Those who don't believe in God, do not, they don't stop God, they don't erase God. They may erase God from their consciousness, they may erase God from their daily life, uh, but that doesn't really affect what God is. God still is what he says he is, and he still does bring blessings on those who do believe. So uh, a person who doesn't believe, the only thing they really affect is that they disqualify themselves for the blessings that God would give them if they were believers. That's all they do, is they disqualify themselves because they don't believe. It takes faith, and that's where our salvation starts and remains, is in our faith. The Corinthian church had a problem with disputing about whose baptism was correct. And, and Paul asked, had to ask them, uh, is Christ divided? Because one was saying that they were baptized by Apollos and another one uh, by somebody else. I don't have the scripture in front of me. Uh, but they were, they were busy uh, arguing points. And arguing points in, in the gospel is not really productive at all. What it does do is it creates division. And that's one of the things that Satan is really uh, efficient at, is causing division. A lot of it's because of our invisible list. Every man is right in his own eyes. So when we read and get an idea, and that idea seems to fit, our desires and and our liking, and we establish it in our minds as being the truth. 
So when we talk to somebody else who doesn't hold that as truth, then we have an argument. Then we have, a, it starts as a discussion, but it doesn't stay a discussion very long. It turns into a debate, and, and debates turn into uh, arguments which cause division. Um, so we, we want to avoid that. It doesn't mean that they're not, it's not going to be there. It will be there because we're human and we're not holy by nature. We're, we're, not, um, we're, we're, we're not loving by nature. Only if it benefits us do we get loving. The Corinthian church also had a problem with, with uh, some that were eating meat that was offered to idols. Um, that meat was actually made available after, after their service or whatever you call it. Uh, Paul didn't really say that it was wrong for them to eat the meat. As a matter of fact, he said that the ones who were strong could go into the idol's temple and eat the meat because idols are nothing and the meat is nothing. So he, he more or less complimented them by calling them strong because they weren't defiled by eating that meat because they understood what that meat was. They were, they were beyond the flesh and into the spirit. It was, I think it was very affordable, or maybe even just given away. He didn't say that it was wrong to eat the meat for those who were strong in faith, but for those who were weak in faith, it defiled them. How, did, how, how does he suggest that that defiles them? Anybody? Paul, what, what, what is Paul saying when he said that, uh, that the eating this meat for those who were weak, it, it would defile them? It's because they couldn't do it in faith. To them, the idol was still an issue. They possibly were raised in a culture where they did uh, worship this idol and they did eat the meat that was offered to this idol after the service was over. And so to them, it was one and the same as if they were actually worshiping this idol and, and being involved in the service to this idol. So they couldn't eat it with a clear conscience. But by seeing well-established and upright Christians that they were now fellowshipping with, go in and eat this meat, it looked, it was like a uh, conflict there. It was, it was uh, spineless. They were, they were going in and worshiping an idol and at the same time uh, trying to live for and worship God. Uh, but in the uh, New American Standard Bible, in 1 Corinthians 8 and 9, it says, but take care uh, that this liberty of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone sees you who have knowledge dining in an, an idol's temple, will not his conscience, if he is weak, be strengthened to eat these things offered to idols? For through your knowledge, he who is weak is ruined. Uh, the brother for for who, those sake, uh, Christ died. And so, by signing, by sinning against the, the brethren and wounding their conscience, when, when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food causes my brother to stumble, I will never eat meat again, so that I will not cause my brother to stumble. And, and that's a, a point that we, we've got to take into consideration in the things that we think and the things that we're able to do um, because all things are lawful because of, the, because of the, the rebirth. All things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. 
there's, there's things we're better off staying away from, not just for ourselves, or not only for ourselves, but also for those who are watching us, those who have their eyes on us. We need to, we need to walk uprightly and holy before them. Some have been brought up being taught ideas um, about disputed theology, theological details, which are not really critical for salvation. Just discussions. Um, just discussions. That's all they are. Things that really can't be proven. They just seem to be right. Uh, to some and not to others. And so that develops these kind of situations and these kind of um, uh, theological details. God deals with us all as individuals, opening our understanding to some things and to others some things are not revealed. How or why? He makes those that determination and it's beyond our understanding he is God and we are not so we need to for one this is one main reason we need to be diligent to study the word uh, and and rightly divide it we need to constantly have the word in us so that when something doesn't agree with the word that's where the, where the Holy Spirit can put a check on us and, and shake us. And we look uh, in, in our heart. We, if we study the scriptures, it'll be right there on the surface when, when that happens. And you get a check from the Holy, from the Holy Spirit that says, look at, look at this. This is not right. Then we can study it. We can look into it. But at the same time, while we do that, we must be on guard to guard our faith because our faith is the foundation. It's the key to our salvation. Faith. Um, if you have faith in God for healing, believe it and see it. That was in the scripture we read earlier. These uh, things, these Signs will follow them that believe in my name. Uh, one of the things would be um, healing. If you believe that you can cast out demons, do it. If you speak with new tongues, continue to do so. Uh, that's all in Mark 16. It's the enemy's business when we look back in the garden, um, let's, let's look at that for a minute. When he approached Eve in the garden concerning the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, he asked her a simple question. Has God not said that you can eat from every the fruit of every tree in the garden. He was setting her up, making her dig and explain and justify. She said, no, we can eat of every tree in the garden except the one in the midst of the garden. For he said in the day that we eat of it, that we shall surely, uh, that we, we should not eat of it, neither shall we touch it. I don't read that anywhere in what God said, that they weren't to touch it. Maybe he said it, maybe he didn't. But all the devil had to do at that point was get her to touch it because she had already decided that that was part of the deal. She didn't die, and he went on from there and created this little question mark in her mind. And he told her that uh, she can't, that... Um, she shall surely not die. One word, shall surely not die. And that's not what the scripture said. And one word changed the whole thing. 
and she did take and she did eat. Yes. Yes, yes. And that was appealing to her pride. Almost everything that we run into has pride involved in, in it when it becomes sin. It's got pride involved in it. And yes, he did tell her uh, that she would be like God, knowing uh, good and evil. And so that wasn't really there, at least not prominent in any way, in her. The, the idea of being like God, it wasn't there, but he introduced it to her. Why? He was real familiar with that. That's what got him in the condition that he's in, was he, when he decided he was going to be like the Most High. As a matter of fact, it went from that to being over uh, God, being higher than God in, in just a simple thought. He, he transgressed even more, and he knew that that was definitely something that would be a problem. So he introduced that to Eve, having been, uh, having been messed up by his own thinking, he knew that it would work on man too. So he threw that out there for her. The, it, was, it was the question mark, the big question mark to get her to question something that God had said. Um, if you doubt, if you have doubt about the promises of God, talk to your pastor, but don't pass your doubt to babes and cause them to stumble. There are people who are very new uh, to the gospel, very new to the born-again life that are not well-established in the word and they're not... Uh, skillful with the word if we throw wrong ideas at them just because they're interesting to us and and they we get a little charge out of it um, we can cause them to stumble and fall um, we can cause them to miss the whole point which was so clearly brought out uh, by miss julianne the whole point of What's going on with us? We start off lost. God doesn't, I don't know how many times I've heard it, how, would a loving, how could a loving God send people to a lake of fire? Well, he doesn't. He just doesn't permit them into heaven. And the only place left is a lake of fire. And so it's, a, it's not a choice God makes. He's willing that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's God's will. Uh, but mankind makes the decision to not uh, follow God's instructions and to not take his advice and, and believe on, on his plan that was laid in place and established before he ever even started this thing with mankind. Before there was ever a start to it, he established a way out. That was his plan. And if people don't like that plan, they don't have to take it. But God doesn't send them to a lake of fire. He, he, he reaches for them constantly, and he does that through his church. Uh, he's got plans. He's got plans. How far those plans go and exactly when they're going to happen, we don't know. We just don't know it. But his plans for us are simple. We're lost we're headed for a lake of fire and to be separated from him for eternity. But if we take his advice and we put our faith in him and in Christ, which is the plan to do things in us that we can't do ourselves, I am, um, as I said earlier, I am honored to be here tonight. Biting back, batting back up for Miss Julianne. I'm, I'm honored to be here, and it brings glory to God. Not that I'm all that, but what you see up here tonight is not what I was 40 years ago. I thank God that what he gave me was real. It's lasted 40 years. What I was before this was not this, not this at all. 
I wasn't a public speaker. I didn't get up in front of people um, unless I was going to cause confusion or or a problem for the teacher or something. I didn't have a problem with being the class clown. Uh, that was okay. But I was not a motivational speaker. I was. I did not appear or behave like I do today. And that's to the glory of God, that he was able to make a 40-year change in me, and not only a 40-year, but an eternal change in me. I've heard a lot of different ideas about what God is, what God does, how he does it, why he does it. I've heard a lot of things. But the bottom line to it is I can't make it on my own. I can't be holy. I can't be righteous. Uh, I, I can't have the joy, uh, any of that on my own because I'm corruptible. Well, I'm actually corrupted. Um, but he's working, he's working on that. Really, he is. And so I can't make it on my own, but it brings glory to him because he can do such a work in such a wreck like me. Thank God for that. Um, my wife could probably tell you, I don't glory in what I was, but I glory in what God has done, where he brought me from. I don't want to go back there for sure. If you doubt about the promise of God, talk to your pastor, but don't pass your doubt on to those who are babes. If you believe in one God, you do well. Believe in him and his gospel. He gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And that is really the simplicity of the gospel. It's so clear and so plain. It's not of works. There's nothing you can do to make him love you more. There's nothing you can do to cause him to save you, except believe in his plan. Believe in Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, who gave himself, number one, to be tormented in life on this earth. He was a righteous man living in an unrighteous world. He was sinless, and he was surrounded by sin. The holy God of heaven in that kind of atmosphere was torturous, but it was we, you, are worth it to God. You're worth it to God. And then to, to finish it up, he was, he was tortured, in the worst possible torture that mankind could think of. He was hung on that cross and humiliated, disgraced in front of everybody and gave every ounce of his strength and, and all of his blood for us. Willingly hung there. Willingly went there. Intentionally went there. And I think that's an important thing that we uh, really need to understand is that Jesus really didn't get put on that cross. He intentionally went there. He, he said things that were true, but he knew it would it would fire up the Pharisees. He knew it. And he went there in spite of that, knowing that it was going to be difficult, knowing that it was, it was going to be torturous and that it would end in, in death, but not death, but life. And he did that for you. So when things begin to look a little bit confusing, and they're going to, considering the day that we live in, and as I mentioned earlier, the things that are happening at least in the news. And we don't even really know about the news. We, it's very tainted. It's very tainted. Um, the things that we see happening in this country that was so blessed by God. Uh, we are, uh, we have been a golden cup in the Lord's hand. I know that that's actually scripture that refers to uh, Babylon. Um, but I think it also re refers to the U.S. We've been a hammer to the whole earth. Uh, we have shaped this earth. We have brought so much 
into this earth, and we have spread the gospel uh, throughout the world. And we have been that golden cup in the Lord's hand. He's not ready to just chuck us. He's not willing that any should perish. And believe me, today there are a lot of people in the USA that are not ready to meet God. So he's not willing to just throw us away. It's not, it's not just going to be, okay, I'm done with you. He's going to let us get ourselves into such a bind that everybody is going to be able to see more clearly what righteousness is and what lying is. Yes, ma'am. Dressing as women and then going into the women's bathroom that are that are men, they're causing problems. I heard it on the radio today. Oh, yeah. And that stuff needs to be stopped. It does need to be stopped. But bear in mind that God sets one up and God brings one down. There's no power that isn't given by God. And God will handle it in his way. And what we can do as, as Christians, as children of God, is we can love. Now, that's not the human way of thinking. That's kind of like marching around Jericho. You know, they were tired by the time they got around that, that uh, huge city every day for seven days. And then seven times... On the seventh day, they were tired, and that just didn't look like a way to defeat the city. But they didn't know what God had in store. And he, he brought that thing straight down. It didn't fall on them. It fell in front of them. He brought the walls straight down. God does it his way. But the way that we help God is to obey him. And his greatest commandment is love. Um, God is love, and I see that in 1 John, not 1 John, in John chapter 1, verse 1. I, I see it. The fact that God chose to use the word is so clear and so plain to me that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So the question that came to my mind is why did he choose the word? And so I, I studied it out. And the Greek word used there is logos. And the definition for that, it's got a long definition, but... Um, Concerning Christ, the definition was the divine expression of God. The divine expression of God. This was in the beginning. So when time started, he was the divine expression of God. And what is God? Everybody knows that answer. What is God? God is love. So in the beginning, love was there, and love was with God, and love was God, and love became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father. That was Jesus, and that's the whole thing, love. That's the whole thing. Love conquers all. It's almost like cancer in a way. Really, sin is more like cancer. But love is self-perpetuating. You can't get rid of it as long as you give it away. If you keep giving love away, 
it keeps growing. It keeps getting bigger. And the people who receive it give it away. And it keeps getting bigger in them. And when you start looking at love the way it really is and the effect that it has on others and how it perpetuates itself uh, throughout humanity and, and every, everybody it comes in contact with, um, it kind of makes the whole plan of God clear because God is love. And he gets bigger and bigger and bigger, if that's even possible. How can that be possible? But God enriches every time we love. It brings glory to him. It makes love bigger. It makes love more uh, expanded throughout the whole world. We love the people. I don't want anybody to be separated from God for eternity. What a horrible place to be. The only thing outside of love is hate. I don't want anybody to, to face that. I don't want anybody to be in that. But the sin, I despise, because the sin is what takes people to that place. So I despise um, the sin of drug abuse and uh, homosexuality and all the things that have been mentioned. I hate that sin, but I love the people. I, I want the people to be saved. Why? Not because I'm anything great, but because I am led of the Spirit. That's why I'm here tonight. I'm, I'm led of God, and God is not willing that any should perish. Why? Because we were created in His likeness, His image, we don't live that way real well, but we're learning. We're learning. We, we keep getting help on that, and that's the kind of study and the kind of help that we really need to come up with is how to make it, and that's why I'm, uh, that's why I'm bringing this message tonight is not to condemn anyone, but to encourage us that we have what it takes. It was given to us um, before the foundation of the world. God is all-knowing, all-seeing. He's eternal. And time exists in eternity. All of it, beginning to end. Eternity is bigger than time. So God knows what you're facing. He knows how you're going to deal with it. And he knows how he's going to help you to deal with it. And then the big question is, how will you receive or reject his help? I had somebody the, uh, about a week ago tell me that they heard that angry people cannot hear from God. And I disagreed with it. Angry people don't want to hear from God. Because when we're angry about something, our emotions are way up, way up there, topped out. We're, we're about ready to lose it. And we kind of hang on to that because it's kind of a self-righteousness to us that I'm so irritated with this person for what they've done because it was wrong. But we don't want to hear that we're wrong for our approach to them and, and for our attitude toward them. So angry people, I think angry people hear from God quite quickly, but they reject that quite quickly. We all hear those things. We all hear it whenever we are about to go down a wrong path and we're about to let our emotions drag us somewhere. We hear the voice of God, but we don't always want to listen to it. So we make a decision. Right. America, America does not want God. If you just go by numbers, uh, God is not welcome in America. But Sodom and Gomorrah made it all the way to their we're not even five righteous. God didn't just chuck them. He made attempt after attempt after attempt. And when your heart gets to a certain point, you get reprobate in your thinking and you do things that are not convenient. Um, thinking that somehow you get pleasure out of that and then you find out that it wasn't pleasurable at all.
Um, so, yeah, we can, we can become reprobate in our thinking. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't talk. It doesn't mean that we don't hear. It just means that we choose not to. And that's not just with reprobate. That's with Holy Ghost-filled Christians. We decide if we're going to listen to God or, when we're, or if we're not. And when we decide not to, that is a very scary place to be. Think about it sometime when you realize that you have gone against God and didn't obey him. Think about that. You crucify him afresh. That really is a scary thing to have known him and then to decide, no, I'm not going to listen to him. Something to think about. Something we should think about because we must obey God. And it's, that almost sounds like a negative, but it's not a negative. The benefits that go along with obeying God, like I said, 40 years I've been in this, it's real. And if I've learned anything over, over 40 years is that God does not let you down. Life is so much better living for God and listening to God than it is not listening to him. So hang on to the things that you know and don't be troubled by the things that you hear. Study them, consider them, but don't be troubled by the things that you hear. It may not be for you, but it may be true. You may just not be ready to hear it or to know it. Stick to the things that you know. Stick to the word of God that you know. Look in the word of God to prove whatever else you hear or to disprove it. But hang on to what you know. God moved on every one of you. You heard him. And you heard him at a time in your life when you probably shouldn't have heard him, according to our way of thinking. But you heard him, and you responded. And look how he responded to you. So I'm a minute over. And if there are no more questions or comments, let's close in prayer. Father, we love you. So thankful for the opportunity to air our thoughts and our feelings tonight together in front of you. And we thank you, Lord, for your answers. And we pray, God, knowing full well that we really do need to become children of love. We pray, God, that you will guide us and urge us in ways of love. and Draw us into your love and teach us to share your love with others. Keep us in these days, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week. Until next time, 